when did I learn that I needed other people on my team? It was when I failed a couple of businesses and I said to myself, why do I suck at this? And I realized that I just needed people who could implement, people that could be an integrator, that could see the idea and they could actually follow through mm -hmm. with it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Build Your Team Show. As always, I'm Atiba and I'm today with a guy who is all about growth. Now y'all know I love growth, right? And he talks about growing your show, but Adam, we're going to start off talking about growing our teams. Adam, welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Excited to hang out with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know this is going to be a great show. Now, the rest of y'all who are just listening to us, y'all probably like, why are you saying it's going to be a great show? It just started. Well, me and I don't had a ton of trouble getting to this point. And I know <laughs> in order for us to have overcome all of that, it's about to be great. It's about to be great. So Adam, I got to ask you, man, take me, take me back to in your company when you were at a place where you realized you needed to hire and you needed to grow the thing. You couldn't do everything anymore by yourself. What was that like? What was going on in the business? What were you afraid of? What were you excited about back then? Well, honestly, I've had multiple different businesses. Some mm -hmm. failed, some were fine, some were great. <laughs> but the point is that I've, I've tried a, a few different things. And one thing that I have tried, and I, I hope the listener doesn't, Try. I, I want them to like learn from my experience. And basically that is that you don't want to be starting like four businesses all at the same time. So I, I started a, a capital group where we gave money so that people could do fix and flips. I had another couple of rentals. Uh, so I had some real estate in, in multiple different cities. And then I wanted to do something that's called wholesaling for real estate mm -hmm. and also fix and flips and also because I heard that the margins were good, I tried doing some, what are they called? Storage units. And I also tried some, uh, what are they even called? I can't think of the name. <laughs> They're the trailer, like kind of like a trailer home, but that's not the mobile home parks. So okay. I tried mobile home parks. I tried multifamily, small multifamily, big multifamily in this state, in that state. And I was freaking out. So the first big takeaway for the listener is just don't start lots of things at the same time. I've, I ended up selling my shares for, I don't know, 20 bucks in a few of those companies because I just couldn't handle it. Uh, I learned that I'm, I'm the type of person who's more of a big picture person mm -hmm. and less of an implementer, less of the type of person who implements and makes things happen. I'm the one who kind of has the idea. Mm -hmm. And then, I, and then I'm done. Once the idea happens, I'm usually done. So when I was starting businesses, I learned that I wasn't very good with my accounting. I learned I wasn't very good at multiple things. So to answer your question in the most simple fac fashion, when did I learn that I needed other people on my team? It was when I failed a couple of businesses and I said to myself, why do I suck at this? Like when I get it started, it starts off so well and then it comes to a crash. And I realized that I just needed people who could implement, people that could be an integrator, that could see the idea and they could actually follow through mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. So that's where I started and I've built teams in multiple different ways. 
one of the ways is I didn't have a whole bunch of capital. And so I thought, if I bring on business partners, then I don't have to pay them right now. I don't have to give them a W-2 right now because I am pretty much out of money. So instead, we'll make the business make money and then we'll take distributions where they'll make some and I'll make some. Right. So it sounds smart. Honestly, it, it sounds like really good to the listener, I'm sure. But I don't think that it's for everybody. Me in particular, I was pretty bad at having a business with business partners because I had an expectation that my business partners would work and they had an expectation of me that I would work. So then it turns out, and this happens a lot, that both of us, me included, are entitled. We're entitled. We've started it. And now we don't want to do anything. And so we're expecting our, our business partner to do all the other stuff, but neither of us will because we're mm-hmm. both lazy or whatever. So finding the right business partners is, is tricky. Finding business partners that you're going to match with is tricky. So I decided after some time to hire people and pay. And yeah. instead of doing that, locally to where I live and and paying something like, let's just call it 50 US dollars per hour. Instead of doing that, I went to the Philippines and hired people at, let's just say approximately $5 an hour. So I could basically get 10 people for the price of one person. And, and it works and it works out pretty well. And I can give some tips on if you're going to have a virtual assistant Mm-hmm. But the very, very, very first person, I had multiple businesses going, some with business partners, some by myself, and everybody kept telling me that I seemed really busy, and they said, you need help. And so I didn't know how to to get my first virtual assistant. I didn't even know how to get it out of my head mm-hmm. to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it would just slow me down in order to like try to figure out how to hire and train somebody for the first time while I'm already working 120 hours in a week, which is, you know, no exaggeration. Some of the weeks were easily 120 hours. It would be like 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Yep. Yep. So I ended up doing it like this. And, and this is just how I got my very first virtual assistant. That was my first employee. I had multiple different businesses, some with business partners, some by myself, and I hired her to just help me only. So I was paying her out of my pocket. The way that it started is I told her, let's just get on a Zoom and I will share my screen with you the entire time I'm working. And you're going to only be part-time. I can't even imagine trying to figure out how to put you to work for full-time, but we'll bring you on for four hours a day. And all you do is just be on the computer with me. That's it. Her name's Jerisa, and six, almost seven years later, she's still running my company. She runs 30-some-odd awesome. more people. And with her, it was probably not easy for her to just sit there and do nothing. And I told her, just any, any idea you have, anything you see that I'm doing and I'm doing it wrong, I might, ju- I might ask you, hey, buy some flowers for my sweetheart. Hey, could you book... Hey, I've been needing to do this. Could you book us a trip to Aspen and just 
get that taken care of so that I don't have to stress about it anymore. So anytime I had an idea, I would just tell her. Or I would say, hey, could you reply to this person? So she got access to my email as well. Mm -hmm. Hey, could you reply to them? Go in and all I want you to say is basically this. And within a week, I went from one part-time virtual assistant to a full-time virtual assistant who hired three more. This is the- why, but hold on, why though? Why so fast? Why a week? What happened? After a few days, after about a week, I realized that she, Jerisa, was now able to handle all of these things for me. She started systemizing my efforts. She started putting in things so that when this happens, this automatically happens. So she started streamlining stuff. And when she was able to streamline stuff, I had a lot less on my plate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was able to just say, you know, you're, let's take you to full time. So in about, let's call it eight days, I said, I don't want to do part time anymore. Can you go full time? She's like, yeah, that's what I always wanted. So, <clears throat> and then after a short amount of time, I said, hey, do you have anyone else that we could hire to do those things that you're talking about? And the truth is, and I think this is a very inspirational story. I went from barely making ends meet. I was probably netting 60 grand in a year to netting for the next three years in a row, netting 600,000 per year to myself. And it was scary. It's like jumping, taking a leap of faith. I remember when I had my 40th birthday, I was gifted to jump out of an airplane. Oh, goody. So when I'm flying up there, I did not want to jump out. I was like, no, 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 no. This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem safe. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I ended up jumping. And when I got to the ground safely, when I safely got to the ground, my instructor said, hey, how was that? And I said, it was awesome. And I gave him a cuss word. And he goes, he goes, would you do it again? I said, hell yeah, I would. I would definitely do that again. So it comes from like this place of we don't know what to expect because we've never done it before. We've never hired before to now that we're on the ground and our life is much better for it. Now that we realize that we were safe the whole way, it's like, yeah, I, w- I want to keep doing that. So I said to Jerisa, I was like, do you have any friends that would want to work with us? And they can offload some of those things you're talking about. And I went from basically being 190 hours to 120 hours a week. Mm-hmm. busy, fat, yelling at my kids, didn't have time for anything, was basically miserable to working about four hours a week and making 600 grand a year by switching my mindset to it's expensive to hire to it's beneficial to hire. Yes. And it actually was the best thing for me because I made 10 times the amount of money three years in a row. So. so so, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that some more because there's going to be someone who's listening to us who says, no way. There's no way that just hiring one chick and then having her bring in three friends, you 10x your revenue, your personal income, right? But talk to me about what that really looks like in terms of the freedom that it gave you 
and how that freedom allowed you to 10x. Yeah. The biggest thing is we need to be able to have our minds thinking. Our brains need to be able to process what's going on in our company. When we're tasked with all of the things to do, then we never get a chance to be a real CEO. A CEO mm -hmm. is a visionary. A CEO should be somebody who plans the next thing. A CEO should be somebody who doesn't have a lot of work to do, but they have a lot of mind growth to do. So here's a few of the things that changed. But, but hold on, hold on. Before, ahead, before you go on, I want you to say that again. Okay. Okay. Right? Because most of us feel like as a CEO, I have a lot of work to do. So say that point again, and then yeah. continue on, please. hundred <laughs> percent. Let's let it sink in. So many of us, especially brand new entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs that have been doing it for a lot of even many years, but they became a solopreneur. They need to get back to reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad says you need to make as much money as you can in your business as possible by leveraging other people's time. And I'll put all the, as much of that money into investments as you can, real estate, stocks, or whatever. And so it, when he's talking about this, he's talking about you being the leader, not being the worker. You don't want to basically hire yourself. So the takeaway here is when you are stuck doing all of the work, when you're the one, you're the operator, you're the accountant, and you're the marketing team, and you're all of these other parts, I'm sorry, but first and foremost, none of it gets done that well. You might try mm. to say that you're amazing at all of this stuff, but none of it gets done that well. But secondarily, we need to free our minds. So if we want to be a real visionary, we ought to be spending lots and lots and lots of times thinking. I want to go back to a, a movie that I think I, I watched. I don't even remember the name of it right now, but it has something to do with the big collapse in the economy in 2006, seven, eight, nine. Okay. And there's this guy who's just a genius who never really works. He never really is tasked on a project. He's just always studying, becoming the best, best person that he can, reading books, learning, growing. And this guy, he found out that, you know, there was going to be a market crash. And so he went against the market. He ended up making billions of dollars, right? Just so much insane money. If that guy had to sit there doing all these tasks, he never would have thought of the idea that made him billions. Same thing with me. If I was the one doing all of the work for all of my companies, or when I was the one doing all of my work for all of my companies, I was barely scraping by. Right. Some companies would pay me five grand one month and then nothing for a few months. And then the other company would pay me a few hundred every single month, pretty regularly. And another company, I might make 40 grand once a year, you know, and just plus you have to pay all this stuff. But with all of that, I learned that once I started having my first virtual assistant, then my second and third, it didn't change completely overnight from, from going 
from five grand a month to 50,000 a month. It didn't change completely overnight like that. But at the end of the year, I had probably 12 employees mm-hmm. and I, ma- I made my first 600 grand in one year that I was able to net and put on my taxes. And it only came, only came by letting myself focus on other things and change directions and pivot. And when I worked less, I, g- I went to the gym more. When I went to the gym more, I drank less alcohol. When I drank less alcohol, I was nicer to my kids. When I was nicer to my kids, I had a better relationship with my kids and their mother. When I had a better relationship with their kids and their mother, I felt even better about myself. And all of these things like kind of uh, turn into where you are doing great in all aspects of life because you you only have to work four hours to maybe 20 hours in a week. Versus you have to work 40, 60, 80, 100, or even 120 hours in a week, you're going you're gonna to find that you have a lot more to give to your team. You have a lot more yeah. to give to your client. You have a lot more yeah. to give to your spouse or your partner and your kids, if, you, if you've got them, to your fitness, to your health. And, all, and out of nowhere, you've become something completely different you become the person you've always wanted to be you've you are achieving the things that you always wanted to show that you could achieve and you knew that you could achieve but it takes the leap of faith you got to jump out of the plane first yes you do got to jump out of that plane without a question you know it's powerful what you've shared so far and i appreciate it and i hope that people are are getting that but I also know the people that are going to sit and they're going to say, because I've heard them say it, okay? I've seen, you know, we've gotten comments in and I've talked to enough business owners, and I know you have too, who are going to say, yeah, but how, how do you trust them? And mm. I mean, are they going to do as good a job as I would have done? Okay. Quick story about this guy I interviewed on my podcast. He, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. I think he's probably worth like $50 million. He's a salesperson by nature. And he's an entrepreneur. So he's similar to your listener. Maybe he's ahead of the game because he's been doing it a little longer, but he's like your listener. And when I was talking to him about him hiring somebody, he talked a lot about how he believed that he was the best salesperson and he's remarkable. Now, they say you should offload it to people as long as they, they're at least 80% of what you are. Mm-hmm. But in his case, he was making a certain amount of money per client that he spoke with. And then as soon as he gave it off to this woman, this young lady, she started selling 50% more than him. So like mm. not quite double, but like she sold a significant amount better than he ever did. And it hurt his feelings for a while. This is one of the reasons why we don't want to hire because they might actually be better than us. For him, it hurt his feelings. It made him feel less of a man. It made him feel less of a CEO. It made him feel less of a salesperson. It made him feel less when he went to his spouse and his kids because he was like, I wasn't really as good as I thought I was. This young lady is way better than me. So how do you trust him? A, with my virtual assistants, some of the things that I do is we have a screenshot capture 
So when they are on their screen, if they've got three screens open, it'll take a, a screenshot every couple of minutes. It, it does it at random 30 times a minute, 30 times uh, an hour, sorry. 30 times a minute would be insane. Uh, so it just does it at random. And so I can go in, I can check up on them, make sure that they're working. I can tell if they're just moving the mouse, the screenshot monitor software shows me if they're in the green, if they're in the um, orange, if they're in the yellow or the red. And that way I can understand how much they're doing and I can go and see what they're actually doing. And I don't have to be invasive. It right. does seem to benefit my team when they know that they're getting screen captures every couple of minutes. When they understand that it can happen at random, they're more likely to do the work. B, and this is probably the more important part. When the, my team in the Philippines is more trustworthy than I would have ever expected. They are completely virtual out in a totally different country. Now, I did go and visit them earlier this year, and I'll go again next year in a couple of months from now. But the point being that you would be surprised at how much they care about your business, yeah. how much they care about good feedback, how much they care they get, I was going to say they get off on it, but they get excited about, they get excited about the rewards that yeah, we, when we, when we just share it and say, good job, but they do a phenomenal job. I mean, most of them are better than me at almost everything that they do. And even the ones that are 80% of what I could do, it gets it off my plate. So I can make a lot of money in a year and pay them and serve my client. So you got to take a leap of faith. That's a big takeaway. And sometimes they're going to be better. Sometimes they're going to be worse. Hire slow, fire fast. Feel free to do it like that. You might be in a big need where you're like, I just, I'm going to hire 20 people overnight and try to train them. That might be tough. Hire somebody, get them into the position, make them, make sure that they make your life easier. Then hire the next person, get them in their position, make sure they make your life easier, and then hire the next person and maybe use Screenshot Monitor to be able to know what they're up to. And I try to have meetings with them mm -hmm. uh, regularly. So basically, I just have meetings with my team twice a week. So I'll, I'll meet with them uh, at least every Tuesday. And that will allow us to be able to get on the same page, make sure that we know what's going on. We all have deliverables and we are held accountable to what we said we would do. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, man. I really appreciate the story and the journey. And I think, not I think, I know. You know, this is what people needed to hear because it is easy. It is easy to be scared and it's easy to say, how do I take that leap of faith? And, and you're living proof of that leap of faith and why it worked. And, and yes, the 10X is great. And maybe you don't achieve 10X, but maybe you achieve 2X. The point is, and you said it so well, as the CEO, we need the mental capacity to be able to think to have the freedom to think, because that's what we're here to do, not to be the widget. Oh, 
fixer or the button pusher or the screw turner, as they say, right? So, Adam, I got to ask this because we've, we've talked about your staff, right? And clearly your staff is amazing in, in it, being able to help you execute all of they've helped you execute over the last six or seven years. But what the heck are they helping you execute, buddy? What do you do? Who do you okay. serve and how can people reach you? Yeah, right now my main business is a podcast agency. So we do all the editing and post-production, video editing. We create promotional material that goes on social. We do all the posting for our clients mm -hmm. and we'll email their guests. So if they had a guest on their show, we'll take, the we'll take care of um, creating the promotional materials and sending it to them, posting on their social, doing all that back office stuff. So I've got one, one part of my team there's a few people that they only do audio editing, another part of the team where they only write show notes, another where all they do is post on social media, another where they do marketing for podcasts, they do organic and paid traffic to nice. get more listeners for people. Another team only does video editing. And then I've got my admin team that really just helps me with my accounting, my bookkeeping, and making sure everything gets paid and things like that. So that's what the team does. And I've been able to travel so far more than every other week. So slightly more than 24 times a year, like 26 times I'll be out of the country or whatever. And that would only be possible with the team. So yeah. we serve podcast hosts. My team does everything except for my favorite part, which is the coaching calls where I get to sit down and strategize with people. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure to have you, man. Such a real and relevant story. And one that, as I said before, people need to hear and people need to understand that it isn't far-fetched at all. Right. And it not only is it not far-fetched, but it is what we as CEOs need to be doing. That's how we build our teams. That's why we build our teams. That's how we can be better and more effective CEOs. So yeah. brother, I thank you for your time and sharing your story. This was amazing. Amazing. And for everybody out there, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.